0: Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show.
1: You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel Podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey. Hey everybody, Catherine here. I'm actually sitting in my car at a stoplight, which is the first time I've ever done a recording from a stoplight, I think. But I just wanted to pop in here to let you know that this week you get a special treat. We are broadcasting an episode from the All Bodies on Bikes podcast, which is a podcast, obviously, with Marley Blonsky and then Maggie Lowe. If you haven't met Maggie, she's hilarious. And they did an interview with Ellen Noble, who I've really wanted to chat with for a while. And I listened to that interview and I was like, well, we don't even need to interview Ellen. They cover so much amazing stuff. So it is, as you can imagine, a crazy time for Christie. Uh, Unbound is coming up. I just got back from the Gravel Festival A week ago, and I've been moving uh, to a new apartment, and that whole time. So, we've both been a little crazy. We had a little snafu on Zoom. So, we decided to go ahead and give you all this great interview this week. So, but if you're missing Christy and I, don't forget if you haven't seen it, we are doing a podcast collaboration with uh, Rodeo. Uh, Amanda Alman's going to be there and Sophia Gibson from the gravel family at unbound it is going to be if you are at unbound I want you to come see us because it is going to be on the main stage in the all things gravel expo we are basically kicking off the expo so come by listen to the live podcast and then walk around the expo before it gets super crowded and busy even go get your packet and then you're all done and you can just have fun. So there's a lot going on that afternoon, uh, uh, a lot of really fun things, so you can drop by that and um, listen to that podcast before you get on with your day. If you are not coming to Unbound, you can watch it live via YouTube, so I'll send out the link in an email. I'll put it in the Facebook group, so you'll be able to watch that podcast live. We're just going to break down the women's field. It's an exciting year. I think um, we're going to see some of the best racing we've ever seen come out of Unbound this year on the women's side, and they're going to have their own start. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. And then of course, we'll drop that into the podcast feed, uh, hopefully on Friday. So our wonderful podcast editor, Lindsay Glassford, uh, is going to be helping us get that into the podcast feed. And then you'll get another treat from Unbound with a live uh, interview from our little roving interviews on the spot while we're there. So There's a lot going on with the holiday weekend and with Unbound coming up, and I can't wait to connect with so many of you in Emporia. Please come find us, um, say hello, and um, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you. So until we see you in Emporia or back on the next podcast, just uh, enjoy this interview that Marley Blonsky and Maggie Lowe do with Ellen Noble. To live your healthiest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. InsideTracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. InsideTracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. It provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live a longer, healthier life. InsideTracker can also calculate your biological age, which is the rate you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. The thing we love most about InsideTracker is that they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. And did you know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any InsideTracker plan? Which means you can purchase InsideTracker using your tax-free dollars. And oh, and it gets better. For a limited time, you get 20% off the entire InsideTracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with the science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, visit InsideTracker.com Feisty. That's InsideTracker.com Feisty.
3: but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride.
2: Good morning, Maggie. Hi, Marley. How's it going? I am really good. I'm excited. You all are coming to town this week for the All Bodies on Bikes Chapter Leader Retreat. Yeah, we are. When do you start your drive?
3: Uh, I start my drive. I'm probably going to drive like three hours Wednesday night after work and then just sleep in the car on the side of the road somewhere and then drive the rest of the way on Thursday. Nice.
2: Well, I can't wait. The (laughs) weather is unfortunately not looking so good, but it'll be okay. okay. Um, Well, we have a very, very, for me, very exciting podcast guest. It's for all of us. Yes. We're all excited. This person was like, literally. I don't know if you know this, Ellen, but you were like my cycling hero for many, many years when I first started getting into cycling. Um, So it's such an honor to have you on the podcast today. Uh, We have the one and only Ellen Noble. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be here. Super, super excited. Um, So uh, let's go ahead and read her bio. Maggie, do you want to read or you want me to? I'll
3: be happy to. Please. This is Ellen. Ellen is a retired professional cyclist living in Western Massachusetts with her boyfriend, Aiden, and the dog, Winnie. Since her retirement, she has filled her life with many odd jobs. The best of them has been being a bike race announcer and commentator. Ellen recently launched a podcast of her own called This One's For You to share inspirational and encouraging stories about triumph and resilience. We would love it if you would go give Ellen's podcast a listen And also welcome her to our podcast today.
2: Thank you so much for being here, Ellen. Thanks
4: for having me. Like I said, I'm very excited. And uh, yeah, it's always interesting to hear the bio that you wrote for yourself be read back to you. Nothing gives you
2: better feedback than... um... than that. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny cause you read that and you kind of omit that you have won a number of national cyclocross championships. Um, you were a professional mountain bike racer, professional cyclocross racer, maybe road. I don't know. Yes. Kind of all the disciplines, but you kind of omit that. Um, I don't know if you want to brag on yourself for a minute, but kind of tell us, you know, obviously you're retired now and we'll get into that. Um, but what do you, who are you? What do you do? What makes you excited to wake up every day? That is such a
4: great question. Um, And you know, one I've kind of been grappling with a little bit lately, maybe Um, I am a retired bike racer. I raced road, mountain and cyclocross professionally over the course of my 10 year career, mainly cyclocross. uh, But just as I retired, I was actually kind of making my jump back into cross country mountain bike racing, which I think was always kind of my true passion. Um, And then I unfortunately uh, fractured my spine in three places uh, at a mountain bike race. And that sort of was the long way leading into my retirement. Um, But yeah, I mean, I did. I did have an amazing career, so I'm sure we'll get to talk about that a little bit. But yeah, multi-time national champion, world's medalist, that whole thing got to live all of those
2: dreams. Uh, And almost on the Olympic team and then life threw you a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. I, um,
4: was pursuing the Olympics. I had a very, very hard 2019 that took me off of the kind of official pursuit of it. Uh, and I was like, all right, no, no worries. I'm just gonna uh, refocus, get back into it um, for that next round. And then I retired. So kind of went in a very different, I was like either Olympics or I'm not. <laughs> not really, but that's sort of how things shaped up, I guess.
2: Yeah, definitely. Well, um i'm just gonna like fangirl for a minute i got into biking about 10 years ago and i remember watching you at cyclocross or i never got to see you race in person but you had this whole bunny hop the patriarchy because i think you were maybe the first woman to bunny hop the barriers um at least the first one that I was aware of and you did this whole campaign and actually that's what um inspired me to try cyclocross racing I was like oh. Ellen just makes it look so fun and approachable even though you're like completely badass and incredibly fast and talented um can you talk to us about the bunny hop the patriarchy
4: yes um it makes me so happy for you to say that it made you want to try cyclocross because that is like the best possible outcome from that um Yeah. Bunny hop the patriarchy started just like you said, I wanted to bunny hop barriers in a bike race, but, uh, there weren't really women doing that at the time. Um, so I was certainly not the first, but it was not commonplace at all. And as far as I was aware, no one had ever done it, uh, like in a world cup or anything like that. Um, so I, Worked super hard to figure out how to do it. And it kind of felt like there was this belief that like women couldn't do it, like physiologically couldn't do it. And I actually just recently heard someone say that to me. They were like, you figured it out, but like physiologically, like it's not really something that women can do. Right. What? And so like that confirmed the worst it to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. Yeah, you know, it's something about women's body types or something. It was really, really interesting. So I like that confirmed it to me even uh like five, six years later, uh, that this is still kind of like a weird belief that people have. So uh there's certainly not any physiological limiters um for, to bunny hopping, but um yeah. So I finally got to debut it. I think I did it at Cross Vegas and then the real uh, shit storm, if you will, started at the Iowa city Jingle Cross world cup. Um, and I was super, super snarky and maybe too comfortable <laughs> in 2017. I was like 21 years old or something like that. And um, yeah, gave an interview about like, you know, doing this and doing that and then I think I posted on Instagram it was like women can't bunny hop quote women can't bunny hop barriers me let's get one thing straight I can do whatever the hell I want
2: oh yeah <laughs> Yes,
4: and that just we kind of found a life of its own and next thing you know bunny hop the patriarchy was a thing uh obviously a riff off of I don't, can we spare on this podcast oh yeah fuck yeah. the patriarchy and yep. so it kind of just spiraled from there and I was having like a super busy season but everyone was like oh my god like we want t-shirts and I was like all right I can make 15 t-shirts and then next thing I know like like thousands of t-shirts sold and I'm like trying to manage ordering all these shirts like living in Europe and it was just so so crazy and obviously like meant so much to me that so many people like connected with this situation and um with that message and then like Undoubtedly the coolest part of it was that it wasn't just about bunny hopping. It was, I mean, okay, it was never just about bunny hopping, but it wasn't just about like learning how to bunny hop. There were so many women and men and like all riders that were learning to do these skills that had previously scared them. Mm -hmm. And it was so inspiring to see people posting these videos of like, today I like rode up a curb, hashtag bunny hop the patriarchy. Today I bunny hopped barriers in a race, hashtag bunny hop the patriarchy. And so it was like, it was so cool to see what this thing that I didn't mean to create. And I'm not like, oh my God, creative genius, accident, whatever. I mean, like I put it kind of as like an afterthought in a post And people were like, oh, no, I connect with that. And I now feel really inspired to go out and like push my own limits. It was so awesome. And I mean, funny off the patriarchy doesn't not exist now, but it really had its moment back in like 2017, 2018. And that was really, really awesome.
2: I'm pretty sure I bought a shirt. I, I have no idea where that shirt is at these days, but I wish I still had it. Because honestly, it really was like I have goosebumps hearing you talk about it <laughs> uh, because it really was like so inspirational in my life. And uh, watching you do this, I was like, OK, yeah, Ellen is like, OK, please don't take this the wrong way. But you're like normal looking. I feel like a lot of bike <laughs> racers are like, you know, kind of intimidating looking or like have like these amazing. And again, don't take this the wrong way, but like no. kind of unreal physiques um, mm-hmm. and you're kind of normal looking and it was like, oh my gosh, this woman is so relatable and approachable and look at all the badass things she's doing. So I just want to say thank you.
4: Thank you. I really appreciate that and I I will laugh about you saying that I'm normal looking because I don't take that the wrong way uh, but that is sort of the basis of a lot of internet bullying in my career. So <sighs> yeah what what comes as a compliment from you is not a compliment from everyone. <laughs>
2: Do you want to talk about that?
4: I'm happy. To, I'll, I told you, I'll talk about anything.
2: Sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the internet can be a really mean place. And even with all the success that you've had, um, what was the bullying about? Was it just like you didn't look like a bike racer? Or um, I know you mentioned on Payson's podcast some body image issues. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're open to getting into that, but oh, totally. um, I think folks would relate
3: to it.
4: Yeah. Um... Yeah, sorry. I just my dog just broke into the room. So I got a little bit. No <laughs> distracted. Worries. Um
3: never apologize for dogs.
4: <laughs> Next, she loves to sniff the microphone. I don't know what it is, but she'll come in and like into the mic. <laughs> so like she makes her present note. Um, so yeah, like one of the things that I just talked about this recently. Um like one of the the things that still I remember with getting internet bullied um, about my weight was hashtag Red Bull gives you roles. I was a, I was a Red Bull athlete and had finally like gotten up the courage to post a bathing suit photo on Instagram, which is a whole different thing
2: <laughs>
4: yes. um, that we don't even, we can get into, but we don't even have to, because that could be a whole podcast for uh. sure. <laughs> but yeah, someone was like, wow, you are not thin enough to be a cyclist. Hashtag Red Bull gives you rolls. And I was like, ouch, that is such a burn. Like it was clever. It was relevant. It was mean. It hit all of the necessary boxes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I was talking to my friend about it, who also had a lot of like body image uh, struggles. And she's like, that would have ruined me. Yeah um and somehow you just I mean I'm sure I'm sure you guys can relate to that like the things I mean Marley you have uh Maggie I don't know about you but I know that Marley you have a massive following so I can't imagine that you get to do what you do and not just get
2: I mean at least some amount of a hundred percent um I used to talk about you know I lived in like the the nicest corner of the internet. And that was when I had like, you know, five, 10,000 followers. And now that I'm like, I don't know, 27, 28,000 people just come out of the woodwork and say the nastiest things. Yes, and you try not to let it get to you. Cause that's like one person out of, you know, 10,000. And I think it comes from their deep insecurities of like, oh. they see us doing, living our lives unapologetically and Doing the things we want to do, regardless of the size of our bodies or, you know, what's going on with our bodies. And I think it just comes from deep seated insecurity. Um, Oh, 3000%. The thing that I think about is like,
4: I like body image problems and restricted eating and all of the things that come with that is so like pervasive in our society. And I think like, when I think of like everything that you stand for at all bodies on bikes and like everything that you're promoting, it's like, okay, wait, if she gets to just go out and live her absolute best life at her size, unbothered by what everyone has to say, that means that I have skipped these experiences for nothing. Mm -hmm. That means that I don't have any like additional benefit for missing out on all of life's experiences, just in pursuit of being thin and just in pursuit of being holier than thou. And so I think it's really, really scary to people that there are people out there just happy with themselves because it means that everything that they have missed out on kind of was for not it was for not yeah Uh, so i think that's terrifying for people (laughs) they're like no i need you to be unhappy because i'm unhappy and your existence is really freaking me
3: out Mm -hmm. (laughs) did ellen just solve world peace on our podcast (laughs) because that's what that felt like right there
2: Well, I would love to kind of get into um, your transition from bike racer to um, now you do announcing, but I know that wasn't necessarily, um, I don't know how to phrase this, like a choice on your part. Mm. I've kind of dealt you a deck of cards that was like, hey, your body's not going to let you be a professional bike racer anymore. Um, So if you're open to it, I would love to talk about that. And I know you've got Hashimoto's and um, yeah, let's chat. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think saying that it wasn't my choice
4: is an interesting way to put it. And I don't disagree. Uh, it was like obviously it was my choice. I didn't uh like thankfully I wasn't in a hospital bed or anything like that where that decision was made for me. But as much um as it was my choice, it was really something that was kind of like a decision that was made for me at a yeah. certain point because my body was just like no more. Like we are so done. Please, please, for the love of God, (laughs) stop beating this dead horse. Mm. Um, And it was like, have you ever made a decision that like the moment you commit to it, you feel better? Yes. Um, The moment that you're like, wait, I don't have to go on this trip that I'm stressed about. And like that instant relief, just
2: like the weight (laughs) off your shoulders. And you're like, oh, it is sunny outside. Okay. I can enjoy things again.
4: Yes. This is exactly what happened to me the day I, and I guess like this is maybe, um, zooming in a little bit too much and then I can zoom back out if you want. But, uh, the day that I had the conversation with my coach, I had told him that I had, uh, really solved my, all my problems. I was going to finish out the season. Uh, (laughs) and then I was going to transition to enduro racing. Cause Mm. I wasn't like, I couldn't mentally commit to retiring. I was very 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 afraid of what that would look like. So, I was like here's my big solution. I'm going to finish out the year. It was September and I was like soft pedaling through the local races I was doing. So, I don't know what season I thought I was finishing out. <laughs> but um I was like this is my solution. I'm going to do this and I'm going to transition and he's like you can be done. And I was like, yeah, I know, dude. I am going to be done after this season. And he was like, no, I mean Right now, you can walk out of this room and be done. Wow. And he said that, and it was like, I was like a balloon that he popped, and I just like deflated, but in a good way, in like Mm a completely relaxed, like unplugged the air mattress, and it just like, it it just rests.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Did you have any fear at that point of like, you know, your whole identity is based on being this bike racer and, did you have fear of like, what am I going to do with my life? Who am I? Oh, God, yes.
4: I, s- Marley, I still have that fear. <laughs> <laughs> it's been exactly two years since I broke my back, which was like sort of the long descent into my retirement. And I still have that fear. I'm like, who the hell am I? Yeah. That was like my whole thing. And, but yeah, at that time, I had all the fear. I was so scared. And I think here's the funny thing. If I knew then what was going to happen in terms of... No, because you're smiling. You think you know where, where I'm going to go. No, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just enjoying this conversation. <laughs> if I knew what was going to happen, I probably would not have retired. Okay. Short term. Because it got a lot worse before it got better. Mm. I lost all of my sponsors, I, which I didn't think was going to happen. I uh, had no work. I still don't really have a great understanding of what I'm doing in this world. Uh, I thought that I was going to like immediately be able to go back to school. I was going to continue to sort of be involved in cycling. I was going to do like personal challenges and kind of stuff like that. Uh, and so I think if I had known, I probably would have been too afraid to do it. So I'm Mm. really, really glad that I didn't have a great understanding of what actually was going to happen. Uh, because it's a lot more intimidating than what I had in mind but I don't regret it at all not even in the slightest Um, it's just a lot harder than I thought it was going to be which I wasn't underestimating it like I knew it was going to be tough and I've still been surprised at what this process
2: has entailed for me yeah, I'm I'm hung up on the fact that you've lost all your sponsors. Um that just makes me so angry because I mean obviously your contracts were probably based on race results and bonuses and all that stuff. Um but in my relationship with my sponsors it's I mean it's, it's been a challenge but to convince them that there's more to cycling than racing and go fast and um there's a whole world of people who just enjoy riding bikes for the sake of riding bikes.
4: Yes. Um yeah, that's been interesting and I think finding the Segment of the sport that does believe that has been like really, really gorgeous. Uh, and I will say that like SRAM has been really my ride or die through all of this. Uh, they are one of those, so like, I guess when I say all, um, like my relationship changed, but like with SRAM, they have been just the best from day one for me. So, uh, there are certain brands that do believe that. There are people who don't want to race bikes, (laughs) but yeah, a lot of brands really just value racing above all else. So it's, uh, that was interesting, but it's also, it's like when you lose people in your life that like, weren't a great fit to begin with. It's like, if, uh, like I lost and not in a bad way, I I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but like, I lost friends Mm. when I stopped racing. Cause it's like, what do you, what do you do? What do you talk about? Like, what is our relationship if we're not racing bikes? Uh, so, and it's like, that's okay. And so I, I look at those brand relationships in the same way, but at that time I was very insecure and like, I needed to be a pro athlete and like, I needed that validation. So I was really, really afraid of losing that, but I'm not afraid of
2: losing that stuff anymore. Yeah, definitely. Um, oh gosh, I just had a question and it lost, it went off the tip of my tongue. Oh, um, are you still able to enjoy bicycles? Like, are you still able to get out and ride? What does that look like nowadays if you're not racing and training? That is such a good question.
4: Um, if we had talked like one month ago, I would have had a very different answer for you. Okay. I recently rediscovered my love for riding bikes. Very recently. Tell but I really, really did not ride many bikes in the last Like year and a half. And so that, okay. That's another thing where I was like, I was really bummed to like lose all my sponsors. But what it also meant was that like, I was completely in charge of what I was doing. I wasn't like, you know, Oh, well we need you to like do this, um, to do this video. Like I had this video idea, like I'm going to ride every bike in a day. So like, Mm. we're going to start from road and then do all the way to like downhill and ride all of the bikes. And so like, I was, you know, crazy ideas like that. Uh, and so I thought I was going to be doing stuff like that a lot and it wouldn't have been a good fit. It's like, you know, these things that happen, happen for a reason. And, um, yeah, so I like really didn't ride bikes very much at all from when I retired till, kind of recently and then I like got this itch and I was like oh my god I'm so motivated like I just want to ride all the time like we're rebuilding we have a pump track in our backyard that is like flattened because it's it was built like I don't know 10 or 15 years ago and now it's like it's been beaten down by life like all of us and um so we're like rebuilding the pump track and I'm like coaching an enduro team this summer. And I'm really, really, really excited. And I have this like super cool trail bike from salsa that they sent me and like all sorts of fun little things happening. Um, but yeah, that was recent, like for a very, very long time, bikes had so many emotions tied to them that I, I couldn't deal with that every single time I swung my leg over a bike. Uh, it was like, it was, too much it wasn't just the freedom of going for a bike ride it was there was a lot more than that tied to it but I've recently kind of like shed that skin and it's
2: yeah it feels really good I love that and as far as I understand you've kind of like redefined your relationship to bikes so instead of you know being a professional racer um and I might have this wrong but I saw you in Bentonville uh, a couple weeks ago are you coaching the development team or can you tell us more
4: Yeah. uh, I'm doing a good bit of coaching right now. It's not like a full-time thing and I'm not like writing training plans for athletes, but I'm doing coaching. Like um, I was recently, like you said, in Bentonville with the um, USA Cycling Athlete Development Pathway, which is the national development team. Uh, And so I was one of four coaches on that program with 16 athletes and that was super awesome i'm doing the same thing like i said for an enduro team locally at our local downhill park uh i have some like skills coaching opportunities that i'm super into so i have had a chance to sort of redefine how i uh, am involved in the sport um which is interesting i keep getting involved in like race coaching but like i i love racing and i love supporting it but it's also like not the only interest that I have in bikes anymore. So it's mm-hmm. kind of, I'm really grateful for the opportunities, but it's funny that I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, racing's great, but I also like riding bikes, but I just keep, I guess there's not a lot of coaching opportunities for bike
2: riding as much. You'd be surprised. I mean, the questions, I don't know if you get these questions, but questions over DMs about, you know, how do I get off my bike at a stoplight? How do I um, yes. stand up while pedaling? Um, things that I think those of us that have been on bikes, For a long time, and that comes second nature. Yes. um, I think there is opportunity there just to share basics of like bike fit and comfort, and, you know, even just telling people that they're not married to their bike saddle. Um, Yes. (laughs) For folks who are new to the sport, like these things that we don't even think about, it's like, oh no, there is opportunity there. Actually, it's so interesting that you say that. And I
4: don't want to be telling tales out of school, but please do. um, I don't even know if you know this, Marley, but. Uh, your chapter head, Jacob. Yeah. In Western Mass, we are currently working on a project to do exactly that for the (laughs) Jam Fund Grand Fundo in July. So we want to do kind of a ramp up with all of that information, anything that like, there are no, uh, no silly questions and give all of that information of like, here's what fueling does to extend your mileage. And here's like, here's why we wear a chamois and here's why we definitely don't wear a chamois with underwear. (laughs) And you're not married to your bike saddle. Um, Here's how, like, here are ways that like you can, you know, you can work on your own bike and you can do these things. um, And like all of this stuff to build up to kind of like an aspirational distance uh, and kind of work towards that. So uh, the Fundo is a nonprofit ride with a lot of gravel roads, but like a good bit of climbing too. So it's something that like, um, you know, I would certainly need to train for. I couldn't do that uh you know without a little bit of prep, but things like prepper, like um you know equipment preparation and fueling like really really help you go the distance. So I'm super excited to hopefully be working with all bodies on bikes this summer to uh make that happen because it just feels like
2: that perfect intersection of yeah, exactly what we were talking about. Oh my gosh, that is Such invaluable resources. And Maggie, you're actually doing that this weekend at TuckFest, right?
3: Yeah, I did did it this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. How did that go? It went good. Um, It was a good time. We did just like basic bike maintenance. Uh, And the cool part about it that I always love so much is we had a a nice little crowd and they asked a couple of questions that I could not answer because it was very basic. Because as far as maintenance is concerned, that's my knowledge base. Um, But there were people in the group that could answer the questions.
0: That's awesome.
3: That was it was a really good time. It was really cool. Um, and met some people that are like new to the area. And they did have the questions that they don't usually think that they can ask. And yeah. it was so cool to a be able to answer them and b have everybody just be like, why would you know that? If you haven't ridden before, why would you know that? It's not a weird question. Here's your answer. Have a great day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Just breaking down those barriers. Well, that makes me really excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Um Jacob is a phenomenal person and I think, you know, any connections that we can make. You've got such a wealth of knowledge and experience. So, thank you for connecting with them. That's super super exciting.
4: Yeah, I'm so excited when I saw that there was a chapter in Western Mass. I was like, are you serious? This is so perfect. So, I'm really excited. Yeah, I think we have a couple things in the works uh for this summer, but for me, my big focus is on the Jam Fund, Grand Fundo, because I'm part of that production team. So awesome. having more non, non-racers non necessarily, uh, just bike riders at the Fundo is like, so.
2: Is it, yeah, I'm super is it called for... the Fundo because it's supposed to be fun instead of a Fondo? Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh, it's a Fundo. It.
4: Yeah, ah, you, <laughs> I mean, amazing. you should come out to it. Everyone should come out to it. Um, it's the best and like every ride stop. Uh, it's, like, kind of being, like, reworked, but, like, in general, you know, we'll have, like, fluff and utter sandwiches, and there's, like, an ice cream truck at one yeah. of the stops, and, like, um, like local pastries, and one of them has, like, uh, samosas? There's, like, like the, a the gas girl station girl in the middle of... No.
3: The, uh like the, a dumpling. Like
2: Indian pastry. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like okay. The- Sorry. I sound like an idiot. Samoas and samosas. No.
4: Uh, I can't I can never I do that which all the time. <laughs> That's why I hesitated because exactly. I was like, oh maybe I said it wrong. Is-
2: no. No, a
4: like amazing woman, we call her Mama Sangar, owns a grocery amazing. store or no, a gas station in the middle of absolutely nowhere with like the most amazing samosas. You'll ever see. And so she loves the fundo. And so she had like fresh samosas all last year for all of our riders. And it's just crazy. It's like it's a bike ride, but with like a lot of really good food and beautiful Ooh. views and swimming spots and all of that. So it's it's like the best ride. <laughs> And that's up She's in not biased. Massachusetts, it's just the best. not biased. Yeah. It's in Western mass. Okay.
2: Um, we will definitely include a link to that in the bio for folks. Oh, to check that out. would be
4: awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it raises money for the jam fund. So it's, what is the non-profit. jam fund? Yeah. Uh, a development cycling
2: team. Okay.
4: But it doesn't exclusively focus on uh, like young kids. Like most programs are like 18 and under. It's kind of like, it's evolving. Uh, so I think if you looked at their website, it would do a much better job of, explaining what the jam fund is, but I was part of the jam fund for uh, multiple years and they were integral into my, in my development as a pro athlete. But now I think that they've, they're still working on development, developing pros, but it's like so much more community focused now, Uh, a little bit less like pro bike racer focused and more of getting kids on bikes in the community and um, kind of having their hand in many pots.
2: So cool. Oh, my gosh. And this might be a dumb question, although no dumb questions. No, So Maggie and I don't come from the world of bike racing, if that wasn't obvious. Uh, (laughs) I, you know, I love to watch like the Tour de France Femmes um, coming up again. Super exciting. And obviously watch cyclocross. But what is a development team? What does that mean? How do you get involved with it? No, that's not a
4: dumb question at all. Even if there were dumb questions, that wouldn't be one of them.
2: Well, thank you, Ellen.
4: Um, a development team is a uh, a team that is focusing, <laughs> I don't want to say focusing on development, <laughs> <laughs> that focuses on kind of like the necessary skills and tools and experiences that give riders uh, what they need to reach a higher level of racing, I think generally with the objective of racing at the professional or elite ranks. So development teams should be led with no dumb questions where like everything is a learning opportunity that doesn't necessarily happen, but that's how I would run mine where it's like, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the why behind things. Yeah. Um, like we were just talking mm. at, uh, my most at the camp that we were talking about Marley and Bentonville. Uh, we were talking about the SMART acronym. Yeah, do you know it? Um,
2: like for goal setting.
4: Yeah, it's like specific,
2: measurable, measurable, actionable, actionable. Yeah, I think it's. I don't know. R T.
4: Now I'm forgetting it, but it was something in time.
3: Yes, time based. Yes. Um, I don't know what R is either. I
4: don't know. So we could look it up. Um, we were just talking about, I like the idea of things being like specific and measurable and like, uh, really, uh, deliberate. Like we do things for a reason. We're not yeah. just doing things because we say that we're doing things. So I remember asking my coach Alan Lim. uh, at the time I was like, everyone says that you can't be a pro racer. If you ride, if you don't ride before 10 AM, mm. why is that? Is there like a biological mechanism that happens before 10 AM. And he was like, no, there's (laughs) nothing like, there are some ideas where it's like, you probably like wake up with more energy. You want it to, like, you want to put the things that, uh, you want like most quality to happen earlier in the day, stuff like that. But, um, you know, there's nothing like, Oh, you know, like your testosterone is the highest at 10 AM or something like that. Like there's no there's nothing like that we're aware of. It was just sort of this like old school cycling mentality that like, you can't be a serious pro if you're not training before 10.
2: Yeah. And so like the you same know, we... mentality that like your socks have to be a certain height. Yeah. Yeah.
4: And like the Absolutely. white socks and white shoes, which I totally ascribe to, but like, that's, I'm not a perfect person. Um... We're, all <laughs> okay. yeah, we're... <laughs> we're all allowed to have our flaws. Yeah. We're we're all allowed to have our flaws in my need for white socks and white shoes is one of them. It's um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we talked about that with the development team. So all of that to say development programs, um, I really think focus on like the why and how, and mm. here are the tools that you need to go from being a bike rider to learn all of the things that you need to be a bike racer. And obviously some development teams have completely different focuses than others. And I think one thing with the Jam Fund that I really admire um, is that the program director who I, I live with uh he, him and his wife have been very very generous in hosting my boyfriend and I um but like the thing that he had told a couple members on the team when we were on the team together is he's like I hope that I can help you become a great bike racer but if I can also help you discover that you are happier doing something else mm. I have done my job mm-hmm. like there is not there is not only one way to achieve success on this program. And like myself and Stephen Hyde and Anthony Clark and Jeremy Durin, uh, Christina Birch, Rebecca Feiringer all came from the jam fund. Oh, wow. So Like we're like the, we're like the alums that, you know, kind of like made a pro career out of it. I mean, Christina Birch is like hopefully going to space. So like, you know, we have a pretty cool list of jam grads
2: <laughs> and Stephen but- Hyde just won the US cyclocross championship this year. Is that right?
4: Oh, no, that's Curtis White, who's Curtis also White, coached oh, by geez. Al.
2: No, oh, that's okay. Sorry, He's also Steven. coached by
4: Al, but okay.
2: he um,
4: isn't on the jam fund. <laughs> um,
2: Why but... do I know the name Stephen Hyde? Because
4: he Here's... was cyclocross national champion, and now okay. he coaches the nas- the cyclocross national team. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we have, like, a pretty star-studded roster, but also of all the riders that came through the program and then went on to do cool things that aren't in bike racing and that, like learned a lot of cool stuff and like met cool people and learned how to be hopefully like better people. I think we all like took a lot away from the program in terms of like community involvement and, um, you know, riding bikes for joy and stuff like that. So I think that a lot can happen on a development team. It's a lot more than just giving riders the tools to be a better bike racer.
3: I think it's important to note that the part of setting smart goals that the three cyclists could not remember was realistic.
4: Realistic!
3: (laughs) So the people that like to go out and ride extreme distances for just because they can couldn't remember that you should set realistic goals. And I think that's...
4: I think that's really funny and I'm a lot. disappointed that I forgot realistic because that one is so important because how many of us in this zoom call have been like, I'm going to work out for four hours every day, or I'm going to do, I'm going to read a book a day or yeah. I'm going to drink six gallons of water a day. And you're <laughs> like, on what planet?
2: Yeah. Or you know, in my, in my space, I'm going to go ride hundred miles six months after knee surgery, you know, it's fine. And now I actually have another MRI scheduled on my knee because it is not doing okay. Just yes. so frustrating, but that's yeah. okay. This isn't about me. Uh, well, we are coming to the end of the interview. Although I really want to bring you back on, cause there's so much more I want to talk about. Uh, but I do want to get into, uh, you talked a little bit on your Instagram. Your Instagram is so refreshing. It's you know, um, authentic and real, and you share your highs and your lows. Um, and you actually talked about this on Payson's podcast, uh, but you recently started on SSRIs. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> me too, antidepressants Yay! for the win. Oh, yeah.
4: And you were so vulnerable on your Instagram about that, Marley.
2: Yeah. I think we have to be, I mean, to me, I look at it as just like mental illness is, I mean, it's like a persistent cold, you know, it's, it's chemical imbalances and, um, it's not a personal failing, Um, but I wanted to ask how that's going, you know, are you feeling good these days? And
4: yeah, Yeah, it's, it, thank you for asking. And I do feel like I, I personally feel like I have a little bit of responsibility to share, which is an interesting way to feel, but I really do feel that way because like, I have a lot of comfort with being vulnerable Mm. and I have experiences that I think I personally would have benefited from hearing about like from an outsider's perspective so I'm like well I feel like I have a responsibility to be honest because I share a lot of good stuff on Instagram so it feels like my responsibility to share the real stuff as well um but yeah in terms of my mental health I'm actually doing really well right now Um, congratulations thank you it's not to say I don't have my moments still definitely not saying that wait because you're human 'Cause I am human what? and I also have mental illness. But I um like a year plus ago, like January twenty 20- twenty-two. Oh my god. January twenty twenty-two, I started on a new um a a new medication, an SNRI that really helped me. But I also think that it came with more side effects than the one that I was on before, which is like a very real thing. Um, So I was like kind of dealing with like, okay, mentally I feel really good, but I'm also very, very tired. And I think that I'm gaining a lot of weight on this medication. Like it's just doing a lot to me. Um, But then I, you know, was kind of like trying to figure out what I wanted to do about it. And I was so scared to, like change up my dosage or anything like that. But I was like, I guess the way that I was looking at it was I know what is working so far. So mm-hmm. I feel less afraid to change. Like, Worst case scenario, if I do change my dosage or anything like that, I know that this amount of this medication works for me and I can always go back and it's not going anywhere. Um, so I actually decided to start to wean off of my medication, just to see how that went for me. Um, I think part of what I really needed with my, with my personal experience with SSRIs or SNRIs, um, just antidepressants is that I learned the things that also really helped my mental health that I Mm. did not have the capacity to do when I was depressed and anxious and extremely obsessive compulsive. So it like gave me the freedom to learn and implement coping mechanisms. Are you willing to share some of those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right now I am um, focusing a lot on this is key. I'm focusing a lot on the foods that I am eating, not the foods that I'm not eating, but I'm eating. Mm. I'm trying to eat like really, really nutrient dense foods Mm. and focus on like the kind of superfood stuff. So I'm trying to integrate like a bunch of weird stuff that I don't usually put into my meals. Like the other day we had a salad, but it had flax seeds and sumac on it. Just interesting. For fun. very interesting, but it tasted really good. And I was like, okay, I'm proud of myself. Cause I'm like trying to eat more fish and eat like way more fat and, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm like focusing on like body and brain healthy foods. Right. And exercising daily turns out has been really good for me.
2: <laughs> um, are you still doing your, like what a mile walk a day?
4: Yeah, I am. It's it looks a little different than it did when I first started because I am biking so much now that that's kind of changing a little bit. Um, But I'm still trying to do a minimum of walking one mile a day. Uh, So it's like if I don't have a bike plan, I'm either walking or running one mile minimum, uh, which has been actually really good for me. And that feels like specific, measurable, yeah, realistic, like very approachable. One mile is is realistic. It's approachable. Yeah, even if you walk it. It's 20 minutes of exercise. Um, And so like that felt like a very motivating thing for me. Um, And then obviously like yoga and meditation. Um, My big thing with yoga is that I refuse to do anything that isn't yin. Mm. Um, So like, don't get me to try to do hot yoga. Don't ask (laughs) me to do like Vin vin flow. Yeah. Like I don't want to, I don't want to work hard right now. I want to relax so when I do yoga I will only do yin because it's a very very relaxing um but I also like I've been doing some journaling and I hesitate to say all this stuff because as someone who is like going through what I go through but also very neurodivergent a lot of this stuff is like pretty triggering for people so it's mm. like oh yeah meditate and journal and have you tried cleaning as you go just to really like rub <laughs> salt in the wound um but I found like tactics to get myself to do this stuff when I can. And then sometimes I don't. And sometimes I do. Uh, And when I do, I usually feel better. And when I don't, I notice it. And then I'm like, oh, I should I should re-implement those coping mechanisms. So all that to say right now, I'm on like a half dose of my SSRIs. I might continue to wean off of them, see how I feel. And if it's horrible, I will re-implement them. Um, But I'm hoping to maybe do
2: a, maybe find other methods of treatment if you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, I relate to that so much. Like it almost makes me mad how good I feel after I do a quick yoga session or after <laughs> I go for a walk. And it's like, damn it, Marley, you know that this works. Like just do it. Uh yes.
4: <laughs> it's so frustrating to me because I'm like, God damn it, this feels really good. You always feel great. Every time you do it, you're like, every I'm going to do this every day. And then
2: you don't. Yep. And then it's like, oh, why do I feel bad? So <laughs> for me, it's all about just having compassion for myself and like yes. saying, okay, today's a new day. We're going to get out of bed. We're going to brush our teeth. We're going to take a shower. Um, Just some of those really basic things.
4: Yes. Yeah. The Absolutely. compassion for yourself is so massive. And I also think the times that I have tied the things I want to do with the things I will absolutely do, um, I've achieved success. So like, Mm. I'm not going to wake up and forget to make myself a warm drink like tea or coffee or anything like that, but I will wake up and forget to journal. So when I've tied, I get to drink my warm drink while I journal. That's when I achieve success. Mm -hmm. When you have these crazy protocols that are not realistic, uh, or specific or yeah, mostly realistic. Um, you're like, I'm going to wake up at five. And you always wake up at eight, you're like, I'm going to wake up at five and I'm going to journal for three hours while I meditate in an ice bath. You're like, have you ever done any of those things successfully? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but if you're like, yeah, I am definitely not going to skip out on my warm drink today. So I'm going to journal for 10 minutes while I do that. You're like, all right, there we go. I, I, I deserve that goodness in my life. I deserve to feel the mental clarity of
2: having journaled. I want you to be my life coach. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just like, it's so, I don't want to say simple, but simple and realistic and approachable. And it's not like do all these millions of things. Um, Well, Ellen, we could talk to you all day long. This has been so fabulous. (laughs) But we have two questions that we finish up with every guest. I love these. And I'm going to let Maggie (laughs) take those on.
3: All right, Ellen, you're getting back into biking. Yep. What is your ideal day on a bike look like right now?
4: Ooh, oh my God. Okay. um, Like a really, really comfortable, gradual climbing trail. And then like an improbably long descent with like actual loam. Okay. Um, and like tech, like technical, but like some, a little bit of air, like kind of natural technical and drops. Um, and then like. I don't have any food allergies in this scenario. So I get to eat like a big sandwich. Mm, yes. Like a really, really big, like actual good piece of bread. Like maybe like a baguette with like, okay. a ton of cheese and like two different types of meat and like balsamic and lettuce. Or maybe a really good wood-fired pizza if I don't have food allergies in this scenario.
3: I mean, let's and do then, both.
4: Let's do both. Why not let's both? let wrap like, the like, sandwich in the a sandwich pizza. The sandwich comes with you. No, like the sandwich yes. comes with you. It oh, fuels okay. the ride. And then when you finish, it's like Bentonville temperatures, where it's like really warm, but it's like not oppressively hot. Yeah, and you get to like roll into like the pizza bar, and then have pizza. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's like naturally technical and a lot of like good traction and dirt.
2: That sounds amazing. It does. Minus the technical part, that stuff scares me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna. I should be I should be your skills coach. I want to be the skills coach to the stars.
2: Heard let's it make here, it folks. happen okay so there you, we go content i'll be let's your first
4: skills coach i'll be you'll be my first client yes okay done cool. it's done canada we're calling you up <laughs> you you yes, heard it you heard
3: it here first you heard it here first oh my gosh all right and then our second question is what is something that you wish more people asked you about or that you got to talk about a little more
4: oh my god oh everything i mean not everything <laughs> Um, I love talking about mental health. I love talking about physical health. I love talking about food and um, I, I love talking shit about diet culture Um, and I love talking about all of that stuff. But I also wish dogs, but I also also wish because no one ever asks me about building miniature models and I love building them. What?
2: That's Wait, fantastic. Like airplanes and cars or what kind Houses. of miniatures? Just houses. Oh, just okay. houses. Okay. Yeah. I'm obsessed with houses and I love
4: drawing them and building them and doing very small things. So I wish more people asked me about that. And why would they? They don't know. Yeah. Yes, but I but wish people they knew. Will.
3: I was going to say, I like, I want pictures. Like, I want to see. Okay. I, see I have one things. I'm working
2: on right now that okay. I can send you a Perfect.
3: picture of. Yes, please, please.
2: Maybe we'll put that on our Instagram as like a teaser for this episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Uh, Well, Ellen, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, If you enjoyed this, you actually have your own podcast where folks can hear you talk about all the things. Um, Can you tell us real quickly about that? And then we're going to close out the episode. Yes.
1: The
4: podcast is called This One's For You. Uh, Tomorrow I'm recording an episode that should be up pretty soon with Dr. Meg Fisher who I'm sure Marley will be very excited to hear. We love Meg. Yes. And then hopefully very soon, we'll also have Marley on there telling her story. Uh, and basically the idea it, of This One's For You is that it's, like I said, stories of resilience and vulnerability, but are uh, told through the lens of vulnerability. But I really love the idea of, um, you know, kind of fill in the blank. If you're going through this alone, this one's for you. Mm. So um. regardless of what what you are going through, I hope that there will be a story that, you can really connect with and that one's for you
2: well we will have I'll a link to that in the show notes uh ellen noble this has been such a delight such a good conversation and i wish we could keep going forever um but thank you again and where can folks find you if they want to keep up with what you're up there, with what you are up to <laughs>
4: um i'm mainly on instagram right now as a reachable way i started a Substack. there's nothing on there yet uh i'm on instagram at ellen likes TikTok, same sort of deal. And um, my website has all of my podcast information. And you can also just write me an email. If you want to talk, just write me an email. Uh, contact on my website, ellennoble.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you,
1: guys. This was really fun. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last two years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work Or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevanex. We've worked with Prevanex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, You've also heard about their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I have not been sick one time this year. And and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support and it's way better than anything you're gonna find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code girls gone gravel for 15% off your first purchase of immune health plus or any of their other products. That's girls gone gravel for 15% off of your purchase. And you go to Prevanex.com. You can find that in the show notes. You have been listening to the girls gone gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at live feisty media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.